What is going on, everyone? Welcome to yet another installment of the Fumble Rooski podcast. I will be your host tonight, CJ Medeiros, and I am joined by, or with, I'm joined by the Justins, Justin Tucker and Justin Hill, my favorite Ravens fan and my favorite Giants fan. All right. We have a lot planned for you tonight. We'll continue our draft coverage, this time talking about offensive prospects. We'll also hit on wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and Terry McLaurin holding out for new contracts, and D.K. Metcalf, who also is seeking a new deal. But before we get into that, let's talk about a certain corner from Cleveland who just got paid. As you know, Denzel Ward of the Cleveland Browns inked a five-year, $100 million deal with, I believe, $70 million guaranteed. Many are happy for the Browns, but many argue that he isn't worth it. And Justin, Justin Tucker, I mean, judging by that prolonged sigh, we're starting with you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is a classic example of being over, overpaid at your position because he is not better than Marlon Humphrey. And Marlon Humphrey doesn't make nearly as much as him. $71 million guaranteed is not – first off, congratulations to him getting that money. If anybody's willing to pay you that money, you deserve it. But from his field of play, I don't think he's worthy of the money considering the people who's getting paid over, which includes Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and the newly acquired J.C. Jackson for the Los Angeles Chargers. So when you look at the contracts that are being given out right now, I don't think he's deserving of it. But, hey, it's Cleveland. They always make mistakes. I'm not saying it's a mistake to resign him. I think it's a mistake to give him that amount of money. But congratulations to him and congratulations to Cleveland for keeping their franchise cornerstone of the defense around for, I want to say, five more years. Yeah, it's a five-year deal. Five years, $71 million guaranteed. With up to $100 um, million in bonuses. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey so, man, if anything, that just makes Marlon Humphrey look like a steal. It does, which I'm happy about. But the only thing I got to say is only in America – only in America you can get a deal like that for doing absolutely nothing. Well, not absolutely nothing. He's just not a better corner than mine. I'm just saying. Yeah. First of all, congratulations to Denzel Ward for not only finessing the contract he got, but just the NFL in general. Let's let's not forget, folks. Denzel Ward is a, he's a great cornerback. He's not like Jalen Ramsey level. He's not like. Marcus Peters level. He's not like Marlon Humphrey level, like we were saying, Justin, but this shows the mere fact how the Browns are just literally willing to like go all out this whole offseason. They've spent maybe $350 million, if I'm not mistaken. They've they've like upload the package and now all they have to do is like receive their wide receiver unit. I've been and like before we started the show, you guys, I was looking at the highest paid wide um not wide receivers, I'm sorry, the highest paid cornerbacks, Denzel Ward. Um, guarantee 71 mil. Jalen Ramsey, 71 mil guarantee. Marlon Humphrey, 65 mil. And in, in, in this case here, the only wide receiver that should be the only, sorry, the only cornerback that should be the highest paying in the NFL is Jalen Ramsey. It's simple as that. Benzel Ward, he's a great cornerback, but at the same time, he's not f- fulfilled that potential like with these great cornerbacks we've seen in the NFL. Like, I understand that the Browns are not in, like, yes, are they in a rebuild, like, phrase with quarterbacks? Yes, but, like, with their defense, they've spent so much money on defense for so many years. Like, it's like you're wasting money at this point. So let's just see what this is this is going to go go up to. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jay Hill, man, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that he hasn't fulfilled his potential. He's a top 10 corner in the NFL. He deserves to be paid like it. However, he's being paid like a top three. And I will die on the hill that he is not a top three. I mean, I I can name many corners that are better than him. You know, J.C. Jackson, Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey, Jair Alexander, Marshawn Lattimore. There's five. He's not top five. But look, I'm happy for him for becoming, according to Adam Schefter, the highest paid corner ever with a $71 million guaranteed, but, but, uh, wow. So let, let me just zoom out for a second. We'll think about the bigger picture, all right? Hear me out. 
you gave Deshaun Watson a $230 million entirely guaranteed contract. You swallowed mm -hmm. the remainder of Amari Cooper's ridiculous contract. And you're already paying Miles Garrett, like, what, like $125 million? And now yeah. you're just hand, and now proving that teams nowadays just hand out big contracts like candy. They're, uh, and, and they're giving it to Denzel Ward. They're giving there it to Denzel Ward. And like we're, we're with that, this is the reason why I tell Adam this. There's no salary cap in the NFL. I don't believe in no salary cap. Like, yes, it yes, yes. There all right, is a okay, cap. all right, yeah, yeah. We we know, yes, we know. There the salary, salary cap doesn't cap. exist, but the Chiefs got rid of Tyree Kill. That's all I'm saying. That is but, true, but depending but, uh, on the interview. Where right. Kansas that's, that's fair. That's fair. So let me tell you something, Cleveland. You might not want to admit it because the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl and the Ravens are coming back healthy. But believe you me, it is Super Bowl or bust for you. You don't hand out that much guaranteed money and not expect to get a ring. If this doesn't work out, I don't know what to tell you. Then you've just made some bad decisions. Does anyone else have anything else to say on this matter? On this matter is congratulations to Denzel Ward for getting paid. The only other thing I have to say is, who is that in the comment section? Uh, we're not talking about that right now. I just want—I just want to make sure you guys see that, right? Yes, I see it, and we're not bringing that up because we use family-friendly language on the Fumble Rooski podcast. <laughs> okay, just making sure because you know this is a PG show. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And speaking of the show, next segment, uh, we got four big receivers that are due for an extension. Will they be dealt away or will they find their money at their current homes? This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 Dean Radio and Fans Only Sports Network. I'll be your host this episode, CJ Medeiros, and of course, I'm partnered up with the Justins, Justin Tucker and Justin Hill. All right, fellas, we're on to the next segment, and for the 2018 NFL Draft, that we saw four big-name receivers, or four receivers who have now become big names in this league. And guess what? They're all due for an extension. This, in, this includes D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and Terry McLaurin. Now, we, we also know that Samuel, Brown, and McLaurin will not attend the OTAs, and many, and I've heard, I think, from Ian Rappaport or Schefter or someone like that, say that one of them will be traded this offseason. Now, all four of them want to cash in on exploding receiver market. So what do you guys think? Will they resign? Well, what's their future? You know, it's like what you said, CJ, to me, like a couple months back, like the NFL is becoming like the new norm where like people can just do like what they want to do regarding contract disputes. And if you look at the situation here, now people can just sit out before you know, like training camp and all, but now this is off-season workouts. And this, in this case here, you look at the situation. For example, Debo Samuel. I think Debo Samuel deserves to get paid whatever type of money he wants. He put up some tackle performance in the playoffs. I think without him, they would have not went to a deeper run and going into the NFC Championship game. If you look at guys like DK McCap as well, he should be getting paid as well. But you've heard, you've heard so many things in regarding the last month and a half with him might being with with him getting traded. You, you, you just don't know anymore in the NFL anymore. And, like, there's not there's not loyalty like how there used to be with players. They're willing to re-sign or take a pay cut, whatever the case may be. But I think – and you look at um Terry um, – I pronounce his name with my fault – McLaurin. Look at him. Right now, the Washington Commanders, they're, like, not only going to rebuild phrase, but, like, they're, like, trying to 
be good right now in the, in the poor in the poor um NFC East, you know, with the Giants and like other teams in that division. But at the same exact time, like I think these wide receivers need to get played. I think the dangerous part of football, well, every position is dangerous. Is, is, is you're taking a risk. But I think the wide receiver position, you, you need you need to protect your players at the same time. You look at the Buccaneers right now, like not to get off topic, like they've been able to pay Mike Evans and Chris Long. Why can't these big time teams like Seattle and for example, so uh, San Francisco pay Debo Samuel. Like, isn't there loyalty anymore? All right, all right. I agree with you on some of the things. Uh, right now, I think it's an interesting spot because most of the receivers that are coming up do not have fifth-year options like in previous years, so their contract is coming up faster than normal because teams can no longer use the fifth-year option on this crop of receivers. So what you're seeing is why receivers are trying to get their money in the same way like a Devontae Adams a Tyree Kill got their money. And they're just waiting for their turn. I think, I think some of the receivers like Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf may move from their teams. I don't see Debo Samuel moving away from the 49ers because the 49ers actually want to keep him and keep him a part of that offense. So I don't think they'll lose him. I think they'll make a considerate effort for him. I think AJ Brown is solid for the Tennessee Titans. I don't see him moving it anywhere anytime soon. Uh, it's only. Only two of them I see moving is DK and Terry McLaurin. And I'm not sure if the commanders will pay him. I'm not even sure what their legal situation is right now, let alone what their cap situation is right now. So as far as Terry McLaurin is, hopefully he goes to a playoff contending team. Same thing with DK. I think the Seahawks are in a rebuilding phase because they no longer have Russell Wilson, a part of that team. So I think they're understanding that they're becoming a rebuilt team. And I don't think DK Metcalf should be a part of that. So I think you should find another team. Well, guys, uh, we do have some news from Adam Schefter. He says 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel has, quote, put a halt to everything with San Francisco as far as new contract talks go. Schefter notes that the Niners are ready to pay Debo today, tomorrow, or the next day. And however, Debo might not want to get a deal done with San Francisco per Schefter. Oh, so we got some, uh, we, you know, we, we got some drama and uh, furthermore, I saw some, uh, you know, some other news, you know, that, uh, you know, that you see what uh, AJ Brown tweeted. You see AJ Brown said he's going to sit out of like the voluntary workouts and probably Uh OTAs. He tweeted, quote, I'm a diva and a bad teammate all of a sudden. LOL. Okay. Do what you have to do then, and so will I. Mm-hmm. See that? Like, I, uh, I'm in a weird position here because <laughs> I, I really don't like, you know, these players who are like, oh, I want like all your salary cap or I'm going to leave. But at the same time, to call him, you know, like a diva. And, and stuff, and a, all of a sudden he's a bad teammate. So, you know, I, I wish the fans would be a little more respectful. And also, A.J. Brown, also, by the way, some Jets fans were saying they were in an A.J. Brown sweepstakes. And guess what? A.J. Brown liked a tweet confirming that he didn't want to go to the Jets. Sorry, yeah. Jets fans. You are not getting A.J. Brown. This I don't blame just him for that much. Yeah, no, I wouldn't go there either. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, look, let's face it. They're all going to get paid. But look, but the question is, where? Where are they going to get paid? I mean, I I don't think DK Metcalf is going to want to be with a rebuilding team, kind of like what you guys said. It seems like Samuel, like, he's, like I just said, is putting a halt on everything. So I have no idea what's going to happen there. McLaurin, if he's smart, will get the heck out of Washington because that place is imploding in on itself. And A.J. Brown, part of me feels like he's going to stay in Tennessee. I feel like he likes it there. He's got a good relationship with everyone. So, you know, why, why, why ruin a good thing, you know? Yeah, indeed. Because, you know, he's a diva. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> with, um, with, with A.J. Brown, like I, I definitely do not see him leaving Tennessee. I think Tennessee, I think they, they're, at a, they're at a point to where they're – that AJ Brown is their number one receiver. Let's just keep that straight right there. Mm-hmm. They've been able to pay Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, 
some of their defenders. Like, they need to pay this guy. Like, this is their best receivers. Like, listen, everyone was saying, like, oh, you know, Julio Jones, he's going to be, like, terrific in, in Tennessee. No, A.J. Brown was carrying the squad while he was down. Let's, like, be real honest with ourselves. There's no way in heck he's going to leave. But yeah, I can definitely see D.K. McCaff leaving. And I definitely see him leaving because you've seen Russell Wilson leave. You've seen the – Rumors of culture situations. You like you know they don't even have like a real starting quarterback. Like like what the the Seahawks like re-signed Geno Smith to a one year deal. You think Geno is gonna really throw down the field to DK McCaff? Like what DK McCaff wants? No, I think DK McCaff they need to explore his options in order to trade him in that and where to get his money. Well, you make a terrific point, Justin, when you say that a lot of these players' contracts are coming to and hold. Listen, if I'm if I'm these players, would I take the money they offer me? No, I would want what I want, but you need to be careful because we've seen this before, you guys. We've seen situations like Le'Veon Bell sitting out and then getting paid and then two years later getting cut. So you need to keep that in mind, you guys, right yep. there. Yeah, you're totally right. And uh, we have some more news. This isn't about these four receivers, but it is about a receiver. Per ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, five-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Jarvis Landry is visiting the New Orleans Saints this week. He should be there uh, tomorrow. And New Orleans mm-hmm. is looking for wide receiver help for a while. So, uh, However, the Browns are still in the mix for Landry as well. So, yeah, there's that as far as receiver news goes. And one last thing, unless one of you guys want to chime in here, about this receiver group. I, I have heard this, you know, also about Debo Samuel. And... Uh, well, this is, you know, something that, you know, you never want to see happen. But um, apparently Debo Samuel per CBSSports.com has said that he has been receiving death threats and racist messages over his contract situation. Fans are upset. Mm-hmm. There's a real possibility they might lose him. And, uh, and yeah, Niners fans, this is certainly the way to keep your receiver. Good job. But, yeah, That's you not- know, and like, like I said earlier – you know, fans, you know, attacking A.J. Brown. Now they're calling, you know, now they're attacking Debo Samuel. Like, come on now. I mean, I, I don't like, you know, this whole let's all grab money in an overinflated wide receiver market because the Jaguars overpaid Christian Kirk move either. But, that, come on, that, that's a step too far, I think. <laughs> Hell, yeah. And, and also, let's just face it, everyone wants to cash in now because of, of the Jaguars giving Christian Kirk a stupid contract. These are just the facts. Yeah. Uh, as my final comment is, I think Jar- if Mike Thomas is healthy, I think a combination of him and Jarvis Landry would be good because both of them can work the inside and the outside. So I think oh, that yeah. could be a good combination. And also, so, who said McLaurin would make a great Patriot? He's not on the market just yet, bucko. Let's calm down. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I 100% agree. And uh, and we're, we're going to go to break right now, but but don't go away because we're going to start talking about my favorite thing about football, the NFL draft. This is the Fun Wurski Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 818 Radio and Fans Only Sports Network. I'm CJ Medeiros and I'm with Justin Tucker and Justin Hill. All right, we're moving to talk about the NFL draft. And let me tell you something, guys. I'm sure you all know this, but I'm a big draft guy. Love me the NFL mm-hmm. draft. And, uh, this draft is, is a bit interesting 
because uh, it is really light on quarterbacks. And, and, you know, personally, I don't think any of them should really be in the first round. But, you know, there's got to be at least two every year that go in the first round. That's just kind of how it is. But, but I want to see what you guys think. Who are your favorite quarterbacks? Jay Hill, we're starting with you, man. Thanks, CJ. So you said quarterbacks? Yep. So I digged in some a couple of research before we even started, but I picked Garrett Wilson. You, quarterback. You quarterback? Yeah. Quarterback? Oh, my fault. My fault. I'm tripping. So for quarterback, so for quarterback, you guys, um, I picked Desmond Ritter. From Cincinnati, and he's a senior playing 211. So, you know how this draft class is really poor this year regarding quarterbacks. But, however, this is a defensive draft for for this draft. So, for this site I was looking at, they were ranking him at number five for um quarterbacks in this draft. Not like you know overall pick, but like in five. So, regarding with um Ritter, they're saying that he has a he has a strong worth ethic ethnic my fault including like a great character and, and he can help improve a team he has on four four hundred no forty four career wins in college and also he was in the college football players in 2021 but um there's a little bit of issues with his accuracy and like ball placement but at the same time he they think that he's a great ability and like he ran a four point fifty two speed so I think that's something you can look at for quarterbacks that are needing for like a a good run of a quarterback, but the same thing you need to watch out regarding his accuracy and ball plays and stuff because we've seen this a lot of times in the NFL players having trouble with the football and it's turned to disaster. So what's yours, Justin? Alrighty. The one that I wanted to focus on mainly revolving around quarterbacks is one Malik Willis out of Liberty. When I looked at this quarterback class, I thought eh, it's a little weaker than usual, but I'll dive in on this one. And I thought Malik Willis was going to be the best out of the remaining quarterbacks that were there. There, And the reason I chose him is because of his athleticism and ability. He can throw it in that ball well. Pause. I think he, when it comes to his potential, I think he can be a, a Jalen Hurts or even better type of player because I think he could be more accurate in the NFL than Jalen Hurts. But just in that mold, I guess, just in that like scheme. I believe in the right system. He can even be a franchise quarterback, but I think he needs time to develop and time to be able to be that quarterback for the future. Hey guys, I see what you're saying. Personally, Jay Hill, no offense to you. I'm not a big Ritter fan, but let me tell you about a quarterback. I like he's consistently ranked at the bottom of the big six, but man, the disrespect for Carson strong needs to stop. Doesn't, but okay. Uh, huh? What would you say? I said it doesn't, uh, but okay. Oh no, it, it does. It does. <laughs> he has the most pro-ready skill set, but but you know he's not an attractive pick because oh he's not a running quarterback. This is the age of the running quarterback. Yeah, and they all get hurt. What do you want from me? So so let me tell you something. He's got a great football IQ. He's a highly regarded team captain. He takes care of the football, and he's got the stature of a quarterback, six foot three, about two twenty-five. He has this—he's a great velocity and touch on the ball. His release is effortless. He makes these precision throws. He—he he can like throw his receivers open and throw them away from trouble. And you can make a case—he's got one of the best arms in this draft. But you know, I—I I will grant you that his medical history is a little alarming and and you know but but that's how people talk about it. they say oh he's not mobile he must not be good can we stop with the age of a mobile quarterback i'm getting tired of it and, and i like them but, but can, can we stop like drafting or grading these quarterbacks on on whether or not they can run it's like oh yeah he can't run he must not be very good no i, I disagree i would say carson strong is one of the three best quarterbacks in this draft but I'm, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. Do any of you guys have anything else to say about your guys or about each other's guys or what? All I'm going to say about this, there's a reason why everybody's moving towards, you know, mobile quarterbacks because you can't be, you know, 
how would I describe? You can't just sit stiff in the pocket. You actually have to move around in the pocket now. You can't. He be can move around in the pocket. Strong is a great pocket presence. He's kind of like Aaron Rodgers. He can get out and make throws. Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! Oh, oh yeah, I know you love your mobile quarterbacks. Watch Lamar be out of the league in seven years after he busts his ACL. <laughs> after he wins five more, no, not five. Another MVP in a Super Bowl. Who Lamar the quarter? The qu- oh the quarter dear, Jackson. I know you're not. Who's your quarterback right now? Y'all need to draft a quarterback. Man, we got Tyrod Taylor. That's all I gotta say. The fact that he's <laughs> not the issue. Tears ACL. Guys, guys, five. guys, come on now, come on, come on, guys. I mean, look, I understand. It's just that. Look at these past few Super Bowls. Go back to uh, we'll say 2010. How many of those that won the Super Bowl are mobile quarterbacks? Two. Two. Two mobile quarterbacks in 2010 have won the Super Bowl, which were uh, Russ and, and Patrick Mahomes. I rest my case. Yeah, that's fair. But, again, it's Brady and Manning for the almost the rest of them. And Nick Foles and Joe Flacco and Jimmy G and Matt Stafford. I keep on. And the other Manning. Yeah, I keep on forgetting about the other Manning. You're right. You're right. Because I keep nah. on thinking it's like Manning and Brady in the Super Bowls all the damn time. No, 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 no. It was mostly just Brady. But like I said, you know, there, there's also guys, you know, like I said, Nick Foles, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Stafford, you know, the Mannings, Joe Flacco. I'm just yeah. saying. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not saying Garoppolo's winning, but he was there. Other non-mobile quarterbacks have made it too, like Matt Ryan and Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow can run, but he's not a mobile quarterback. But you yeah. know what? But you know, I'm, I'm rambling, guys. I'm sorry. I think he qualifies. I'm not saying he'll run. I'm saying he's mobile. But, but look, he when can... I say mobile quarterback, it's a run-first quarterback. Joe Burrow's not a run-first quarterback. That's a running quarterback. That's not the same. All right, fine. We don't, we'll agree. But disagree. we're just arguing semantics. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, we got to move on. Now, mm-hmm. now, people. We're still talking about the draft, but please don't go away because next we're talking about the ever-underrated offensive line prospects. This is the Fumble Ruski Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Fumble Ruski Podcast by Power 88 Dean Radio and Fans Only Sports Network. You know who I am by now, at least I hope you do. I'm CJ Medeiros, and you know I'm rolling with the Justins. That's Justin Tucker and, of course, Justin Hill. And as I alluded to before the break, we're going to take a gander at some of the offensive line prospects. Now, the O-line, we all know, gets overlooked a lot. But this is a pretty good O-line class. Guard, center, tackle, you name it. There's a lot of talent to be found across the line. So the question now stands, uh, who's your favorite O-lineman in this draft? Uh, Tucker, we'll start with you. All right. The one that the, my favorite O-lineman and the one that's been getting ironically drafted to the Ravens is my guy, Trevor Penning. That guy is just a nasty O-lineman. He finishes when you look for a offensive tackle that finishes a play that's the guy you're looking for and it's not just a get on top of some no he power drives people to the ground it's physical it's nasty and that's what you want in an offensive lineman the amount of people i've seen him bully on the football field is outrageous and hopefully he's able to bring that to the next level and maybe for my team, if worse comes to worse, if Ronnie Stanley can't play. But I don't anticipate that. But hopefully we get to see that at the next level because this man is a beast in the run game and passing game. Uh, J-Hill, what about you, man? So we're talking about O-line, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So we're going with O-line. 
I have Evan Neal out of Alabama. Why I chose Alabama is because, you know, Nick Saban and all, like, mm-hmm. whoever comes out of Standard. Alabama, they wind, up, they wind up being either great or bust, but you choose to be great at the same time. So with him, if you look at weaknesses regarding him, his um his level lunge, meaning like his speed or whatever, but at the same time he has a great awareness and a presence of mind regarding blocking. So you definitely need that in some in type of case. And I think the Giants, like not to be biased, I think they should definitely grab him or maybe some team that's like contending in the top five picks in the draft that should maybe that needs an O line. Look at the if you look at some teams right now, like you know. The, the the Jaguars, the Jets, they're needing they need some ends of an O line situation, including the Giants as well. So I think that would be a terrific grab for any single team because right now in football, day and age we live in, you either like win win or lose by the football, you definitely need the O line to definitely cover you up in key situations to help you win a ball game or get field goal range. Yep, that's correct. And uh, Jay Hill, you just made a great point, you know, about football. You know, games are won and lost in the trenches, which is why my favorite O-line prospect is Iowa center Tyler Linderbaum. Mm. He is the best center prospect we've seen in, like, a decade. I mean, Mm -hmm. he you know, because he's a center and it's not really as cool of a position as offensive tackle, he, uh, he gets overlooked. But no, 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 no. His draft comparison, I kid you not, is Jason Kelsey. And that guy is probably going to the Hall of Fame. So let me tell you something about Tyler Linderbaum. He is a competitor with a capital C. He will run at you. He wants to hurt you. He will not let you get past. And and he's got a wrestling background. And that is evident in his core strength and leverage. He gets the snap off quickly. His move, he's not a fast guy, but he's agile. His movements are just fluid and harmonious. And he just has this explosive push-up. And he's only uh, 6'2", which is kind of small for a lineman. But, hey, low center of gravity means you have that leverage. And uh, and it's just he he's good at creating running lanes. And, and he's a great blocker to follow because he's not content with pancaking you. He will push you back. He will just go and go and go and go and just not run you over, but he will just keep moving you. And let me tell you something. You're not going to break – you're not going to be able to tackle anyone with him breathing down your neck. And his pass protection is great. He has literally 10-inch hands, which are great for an offensive lineman, especially in pass protection. And, and, he, and for an O-lineman, 6'2", 296, he's, a, he's truly a great athlete too, like I said. He's got that wrestling background. What and, are the teams, yeah, what are the teams, CJ, that should like pick him up if he's since he sounds really great? Oh yeah, that's um. Yeah. I I don't really know. You know, this draft is really chaotic in its nature, and truth be told, I have no idea where he's going to end up. You know, like, but if I had to think about it, I would say if he's there the Arizona Cardinals should probably draft him because their center the interior of their offensive line truthfully isn't that great. Their guards are lackluster. Their centers are not really that good. So why not short up with Tyler Linderbaum? Lure Kyler, Kyler Murray back with his franchise, with a franchise center. And his draft grade is a 6.7, meaning he's projected to start year one. And look, not not draft-wise in mock drafts, but in terms of being a prospect, Tyler Linderbaum is a year-one starter, and mm-hmm. he can come out and play well out of the gate. And, and furthermore, he's a top-10 prospect in this draft. And the fact he's not going to go top-10, whatever team gets him, consider yourself very, very lucky. Does anyone well. else have like, anything to say about their – Lyman, any new points you'd like to create? I think I, I, I agree with both of y'all. I, think, I agree with both of y'all about your prospects. I think I agree mainly if he goes to Arizona because then he actually has a legit center that he can rely upon and he has the weapons around him. So if he ever needs to like double team, 
like an Aaron Donald he'll ha- who he'll have to face twice a year, I think it'll be nice to have Tyler Linderbaum as his center. So I agree. Definitely. I love all you guys' um, suggestions on where, like, these O-line um, people should land in the draft. I think this year this is a defensive draft. This is not like a quarterback draft like last year and years prior. I think this is like the year of teams they can make a strong change, not re- including rebuild as well, but a strong change towards a team defense. We want to see more defensive games in football, not just offensively like we love, but we want to see d- defensive games in football as well. And like and like I always say, is defense was championships. And at the same time, I think this year's class is going to show much improvement to teams that we're going to be shell-shocked to see for the rest of the three months of great football this year in the regular season and in playoffs. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're 100% correct. And uh, so that's all the time we have for this segment. But but next, it gets interesting because we're going to be talking about a stacked wide receiver class. This is the Fumble Ruski Podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Ruski podcast by Power 88, Dean Radio, and Fans Only Sports Network. I'm CJ Medeiros, along with Justin Tucker and Justin Hill. All right, guys. We talked, we spoke about the quarterbacks, we spoke about the offensive linemen, but now let's get to the good stuff the wide receivers. This is a good wide receiver class. And some people, I believe it was uh, Mel Kuyper, but don't quote me on that. I remember there was some draft analyst who said there could be a record number of wide receivers that go in the first round this year. So question must be asked, who do you like? Jail, man, we're starting with you. Who's your favorite wide receiver in the 2022 NFL draft? So my favorite wide receiver coming out of the NFL wide receiver draft class this year, it has to go to Garrett Wilson. And I say Garrett Wilson is because regarding with him, not only he has great hands, but he's like an excellent pro. And I'm looking at a little stat right here. He ran a 4.38 in um in, in the speed of the combine. So that's definitely great right there. And, like, not only he can run perfect routes, like he's definitely a team leader as well. So you definitely need a guy like that on your team that can, like, help you. We've seen this year, like, a rookie of Jamar Chase being so excellent. He went to the Super Bowl and he, like, made terrific catches in the big game. And I think a guy like this here, he's going to definitely improve your roster to the point that you need to, like, pay the guy right away. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I think, like, with with this situation here, I think any team would love a receiver on their team at the end end of the day. But a guy like this who could run a 4.38 and have a good catch. We've seen players in football who are in their prime right now. They have trouble of accuracy of holding the football. So, I would definitely like to see a team that can go after this guy here. Interesting pick. Interesting pick. For me, I chose Bama, and I chose Jameson Williams coming out of that. Nick Saban, yet again with another first-round talent at the wide receiver spot, continuing the trend at Alabama, which could be called wide receiver U at this moment in time because they just keep on bringing out NFL-quality talent, and this year's no different. I'm, I have my eyes on Jameson Williams mainly because – if he comes out fine despite the ACL injury, watch out because I think he'll be an immediate day one starter, assuming all his health is in order. Like, if his ACL isn't fine, then obviously they're going to have to take note of that. But if he's fine after the ACL injury, watch out because I believe he's a day one starter and has game-breaking speed. You can't leave him one-on-one against the corner out there because if he gets past him, it's an immediate touchdown. So they're going to have to put two people on him at all times because he's just that fast. He's going to probably play the Y or the Z 
because that way he can be off the line and therefore avoid press cover or press coverage. And if they can't get their hands on him, good luck trying to stop him. So I think if they if a team gets him, they're getting a hell of a wide receiver. Hey man, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm a huge uh, JMO fan, but let me tell you who I'm who my who I'm a big fan of. My man from USC, Drake London. Now, when we were talking about the best wide receivers in the fan box, I think it was last episode, uh-huh. or two episodes ago, I I was adamant that I'm a Drake London fan. And he's mm-hmm. what you want in a modern receiver. He's fast and he's big and lanky. He's six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. His movements are fluid. He's agile and he is an excellent deep threat. And he not only can he beat you with speed, he wins those 50-50 balls with his big frame. He offers great mismatch potential on every corner, and he's just got this great work ethic with a pro demeanor. He can create these tight angles, and he's not a clumsy runner. He's very clean with his cuts. He can get inside leverage on the slot. He can play outside. He finds deep balls quickly. And more often than not, he wins those 50-50 balls, and he can meet those contested throws Mm -hmm. with his long arm extension. Oh, and keep in mind, he has 33-inch arms. That's huge for a receiver. That means that catch radius Mm -hmm. is huge. No question. And uh, and it's just he's a great route runner. His hands are good. He's big. He's fast. The only, only red flag that he has, for me at least – his injuries. I don't think he's ever played more than eight games in a season. And that's something as a team you have to take note of. But then again, we have elite conditioning coaches at the NFL level, and it would be good, you know, kind of just to ease him in. He, like like uh, what Tucker said about uh, Williams, is that uh, he can come in and he can play right away. So uh, what do you guys think? Anything that you like maybe other receivers? What do you think? Again, I've been the only one talking about Chris Olave out of Ohio State along with Garrett Wilson. I think he'll be a good slot receiver in the NFL. I think he'll be a, either a late day one or early day two pick. And my other guy is George Pickens. I like the way he plays football. I like the way he blocks. I like the way he catches the ball. I like the way how he gets separation. I like how he uses his body frame. I just like the energy he puts out on the field. And he's a national champion, so he has that pedigree. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But for me, I'm a uh, surprise, surprise. I like John Mechie. Now, he's not going in the first round, you know, mm-hmm. due to his injury and all. But make no mistake, Mechie is also a guy who, you know, would behoove a lot of people to uh, – you know, to keep an eye on, as it were. Mm-hmm. And the thing with John Mechie is, like I said, you know, he's hurt. There's no guarantee he's going to start the season. But he's got the potential to really develop into a good starter. He's one of the best slot receivers in this draft. He he doesn't really have that explosiveness, but still he's a good route runner and can create space. And he can play like every receiver spot on the field. Yeah, but uh... – this speed might be a problem in the league. Hey, but we'll see. You know, there's, there's coach. You can coach him up on that. Yeah, he has to be a phenomenal route runner if he can't win with speed. At which he is. I think he's just. I think he's a good one. Is he the Fair best enough. route runner? We'll he's see. not the best, but he's he's top five route runner in this draft. Well, if there's nothing more to say, we can put the segment to rest. And uh, next segment, we'll be going to the Fumble Rooski fan box. Don't go away. You're definitely not going to want to miss that. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Touchdown! Unbelievable! 
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Fans Only Sports Network. I'm CJ Medeiros. That's Justin Tucker and that's Justin Hill. And we have reached our final segment, everyone's favorite, the Fumble Rooski Fan Box. Now, if you don't know, this is how it works. We post a question filter on our Instagram every Monday and you can respond with hot takes, questions, and more. And we'll discuss it and give you a shout out on our podcast. Respond to next week's fan box question to be featured on our show. So, the question of the week. Who is the most overrated prospect in this draft? Now, we have some good answers. First, Matt Fiore said Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama. Uh, You know, I wish these question boxes – sorry, I don't want to cut you off. What were you saying? I disagree, but continue. Yeah, I disagree. I wish these question boxes were big enough, you know, so you could, like, explain your reasoning. But until I hear, like, reasoning, I'm going to have to disagree. Next up, ironically, uh, is is myself. We, uh, I say we it's, it's Trayvon Walker. Now, if any of you watching know me in real life, I am not a Trayvon Walker fan. He is only there because of his size. He's, like, 6'5", 270. But hear me out. He's a defensive lineman. Yeah. He's not really good at rushing the passer. He has to get schemed open, and he's not really good run stuffer. And yet, a lot of teams have him number one on their draft board. Why? But again, I ask, why? It's just potential alone. He's a project. You don't draft like a, a project number one overall. But we've, I, yeah, we've I seen this so many times, though. We've seen it so many times with CJ. We've seen players that have came into the draft a high pick, and they just wound up becoming like a bust in the NFL, like Josh Rose, for example. So yeah. we can go on the next question. You know, wait, one last thing. You know who he reminds me of? He's Who's like if the, Mitch yeah. Trubisky played defensive line. Remember <laughs> okay. Mitch Trubisky? You know what? That's still a Pro Bowl caliber player. No, you uh, know that, right? Mitch Trubisky, I think not. I'm just going to say this. I'm not saying he's going to turn out like Mitch Trubisky. I'm just saying he was, like, projected to be, like, a late first rounder. You know, we all knew he was decent. But inexplicably, he shot up people's draft boards. And at this point in time, it's more than likely he goes top five, which is something I disagree with strongly. I'm not saying he's like Mitch Trubisky. I'm just saying the situation is Mitch Trubisky-esque. Next is a a good friend of the show, Patrick Williver who says, Mm -hmm. quote, I am an Ohio State fan, but honestly, Olave is overrated. He's a great college receiver, but it won't translate. Jay Hill, uh, do you you like Olave? Tucker, do you like Olave? I think I've made it clear that he should be a day one, day two prospect. If you're thinking he's – what do you mean? No, no, no. I was just going to say, no, continue. I believe if you put him in the slot, he can be productive. I don't really see him mm-hmm. working anywhere else because I think he's wiry enough in the slot to be a matchup nightmare for some people. So if you think he's going to be a clear-cut number one draft pick, then yeah, uh, number one receiver off the board, then yeah, he might be overrated. But I don't see him as that, and I think he should go late first, early second. Yeah, he, he's a first-round caliber player, but he's kind of like a safe pick. You know, not the highest of ceilings, but he's got a high floor. Next, uh, another friend of the show, good old Tyson Tate. Tyson mm-hmm. Tate says, Desmond Ritter, in my opinion. And Tyson Tate, I salute you. Desmond Ritter is overrated. And then Jay Hill, I-, I know you said you liked him, but I do not like Ritter's accuracy. I do not like his ability to read defenses. And Lord, I don't like his mechanics. Desmond Ritter, in my opinion, is going to have to completely remake his game at the NFL level. You can disagree, and I'm open to criticism, but this no, is my beliefs. I don't know where you're coming from. We've seen like great quarterbacks fix their game, like in when, before when they came in. For example, Aaron Rodgers. You know how Aaron Rodgers he should throw like a little like type of way, like like this, but now he throws like what is forward to the ball. Like, yeah, we've seen great quarterbacks change their. Format into how to throw a ball. Like, look at Tom Brady. Remember how he used to throw it straight? Now he just takes his time in the present. So we definitely see a lot of quarterbacks change their momentum. But I could definitely like see where you're coming. Oh from. yeah. Mm-hmm. Up next is uh, Tyler Sumner, who said Hutchison. 
Now, I'm pretty sure he means Hutchinson, as in Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. Well, lie to you, man. I don't know where you're coming from on this. I like Hutchinson. Don't know, don't know why you feel that way, but is it because he's a Michigan man? Is that why you feel this way? Is that it? Uh, we don't get into that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, one, once again, I wish the, you know, the question box is big enough so they could explain themselves because I would love to hear some of their reasoning. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, Secret Weapon Consulting says all of the quarterbacks – and see, weapon <laughs> consulting's right on the money. I won't lie to you. This is not a good quarterback class. We've been over this. It's a solid one. I wouldn't call I it. I mean, look, it's a solid one, but I genuinely believe if all of these guys came out in last year's draft, not a single one would go in the first round. I guarantee I think, you. I think Malik Willis would go in. No, the first I don't round. think he would. He was not better than any of the I five quarterbacks that came out. He's not better than Lawrence or Wilson or Lance or Fields or Jones. It depends on where you rank Mac Jones and Fields. I'm not saying he's if better. If Matt Jones than or Fields are in this draft, they would be far and away number one. Yeah, but I'm saying what I'm telling you is, looking back at that draft, I could see them or some team picking up Malik Willis in the later draft. I could see that. Uh, I, I mean, maybe in the later first round. I, 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 I get it. I get it. Hmm? The package. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, we were all against that. That was just a boneheaded move by their GM. But but hey, you know, it is what it is. Let's hit the wrap up. That'll do it for us tonight. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in to us live Tuesdays at 7.30 on Twitter and Facebook and through Fans Only Sports Network. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and we'll also have our our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at BumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our latest coverage of the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Over and out.